This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. New pilot Vincent Fraser narrowly avoided disaster when he was forced to land his small plane on an active highway in North Carolina. Sheriff's office had shared the GoPro footage even that was taken from his perspective as he made the landing after his plane's engine failed. In the video, his plane appears to fly low to the ground, hovering over several cars before making contact with the road and barely missing a string of power lines. It's an amazing story, and he is a great pilot. Jake has uh, got him on the line. Hey, Vince, how are you this morning? Good. Good morning. How are you, sir? I, uh, I, I, I'm, so, I'm so glad that uh, Jake, our producer, was able to track you because I saw this this story came down a couple days ago, and I was absolutely knocked out. I have friends who are pilots. I've flown ridiculous experimental aircraft, and it's always been a, a favorite thing of mine. And I think everybody who thinks about flying always thinks, what do you do if there's a crash? What do you do if there's a forced landing? What do you do? And, uh, yes, sir, yeah. and, and you found out. You found out real quickly and real suddenly how you would do with that. Yeah, I just, um, just stuck to my training and, uh, you know, the, the ABC just kept to that air, airspeed, best place to land and going through my checklist and calling for help. So, so, I mean, let's, let's start in the beginning. So you take off, you got your father-in-law. What, what are you flying? Uh, I'm flying a 1967 Aero Commander 100, okay. uh, single engine. And those, it's just a little plane. Like my, my great uncle Bill, uh, flew little ones like that, and just and they're they're great. They're great ways to learn. They're they're affordable. They're they're the kind of I wouldn't know if you would have called a starter plane, but they're they're what the majority of human beings can afford to buy. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's like your basic Cessna 150, 172 type of aircraft. But the Air Commander is just it's it's a, a little bit cheaper. Um, they were built as trainers, so they're pretty much like flying tanks. Yeah, is what a lot of people call them. Yeah. So you get up there and you realize. You're, you're losing power. It's coming back. You're losing it again. It's coming back. You don't know what's going on, but you realize you don't have you don't have the power to climb and stay up in the air. Correct. Yeah. So I, I kept trying to restart the plane, and, and it would continue to restart. But at the same time, it's like taking one step forward and three steps back. So I'm losing altitude every time I'm messing with this thing. So I had to make a decision where I had to just find a place to land because pretty soon we're just going to be in the trees or in the lake. So your father-in-law, what, by the way, what does he say during all this? Uh, so my father-in-law, he, he, at first, um, I, I, play, I do play a lot with my family. I'm, I'm, I'm the practical joker kind of guy. But I've, I've never played in the plane, and I've never taken him up, so I don't think he knew that I wouldn't do this in the plane. But he looked at me when I told him, I said, hey, I'm sorry, but we need to find a place to land. And uh, he kind of looked at me, he laughed, and then he continued <laughs> to look out the window and enjoy the view. Oh, no. 
No. And I, yeah, and I didn't have time to argue with him or anything, so I just kept trying to fly the plane and, and find the best place to land. And after a few seconds, because this whole ordeal only lasted about two and a half minutes, he looked back over at me, and he was, I could tell he was looking at my hands. And I'm looking at him, I was like, help me find a place to land. And he's like, he realized that this was real. And he told me that he loved me, that he trusted me, and that, you know, do the best that I can. He knows, he knows that I can do this. Wow. And then he was, we were both just looking out the window for wow. somewhere to land. How about that moment? That dude tells you, I love you, I trust you. Yeah, so it for like coming from him, he's he's always been such a, a great father figure. He's a you know he's a pastor, he's a leader in his community. So I, I'm I'm kind of used to that from him, but it's just it still motivated me and and kind of gave me. I was already calm, but it gave me more of a a calmness. And now I have an objective. I have a mission. Um, you know, I owe it to him. I owe it to my wife, my mother-in-law, and the people on the ground to get this aircraft down safely. Right. So, so it kind of just. Can you imagine? He's like, I've always hated you. You were never good enough for her. <laughs> yeah, the truth comes out right, right? before, you know. <laughs> so you, you realize that you've got this highway coming up. And, and you know, it is a myth that uh, Eisenhower built our interstate system with one, one uh, straight mile every five. And it, that myth has persisted for, for years. I had to finally look it up in an argument on a government website. Yeah. It's absolutely not true. But everybody has said that for years and years that Eisenhower, when he was redoing the, the, the system, would every five miles there was supposed to be one mile of straight highway so that in times yeah. of war we could land planes. And uh, that's not true. So you're, you're up there. You can't see a road. You're looking at a body of water and some trees. And you're like, this is, exactly. this is going to go bad. Because, listen, we, other people may see pretty trees. All those are, are sticks of death waiting to tear you apart. Exactly, yeah. That, that tin can will not withstand the first tree at all. Yeah. No. So you're, you're looking, and then you finally cross over a little, and you realize, holy ass, there it is, right underneath me. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I was going to go for the bridge, and the bridge just went from an option to no way I'm going to, I'm going to make this landing and, and no way I'm going to hit one of these cars. Um, so I decided that I was going to go for the river in front of the bridge and, uh, you know, I'm committing to the river and I'm getting to get ready to start telling my father-in-law to, you know, unlatch his door. Cause he was already, he kind of already had difficulty when I was doing my safety briefing to how to open the door and take your seatbelt off. But he was having difficulty figuring that door out. It is a little tricky. And as I'm getting ready to have a conversation with him about what we're about to do, I look to my left and, and there's Highway 19. It just just showed up. Like you couldn't see it before because of the mountains and the trees, but it just was right there, thank God, yeah. yeah. And so you're like, all right, here we go. We're going in. And I notice when you're coming in, and, and you're coming in fairly hot, you're passing a car. I can't decide if, yeah. if, if seeing you come into you, if oncoming traffic had it harder or if, uh, if if the guy who suddenly looked over to his left and realized he was being passed by an airplane that was landing, which one was freaking more people out? Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd have to say the guy I, the guys I flew over because that, I mean, you see the propellers, you see the wheels. Like, that's got to be freaky to see a vehicle, uh, an aircraft just kind of hover over you and then just land right in front of you. Yeah. And, and then, then the thing starts to take a hard right, and I'm like, he's not going to get this. He's going to go right into oncoming traffic. Yeah, my biggest fear was uh, when I hit that curve, um, not being able to get it low enough to clear the power lines from my uh, from my heart, my stabilizer, 
And then that curve, like I knew if I didn't keep that nose up and keep the aircraft kind of gliding through the curve, sure, I would have just went straight off the other side and into the, there's a kind of a river on the other side, down yeah. the mountain and oh, into yeah. it. So Yeah, you had to do that. It's not a crosswind landing, but you had to, I noticed, yeah, you had to kind of feather it over to the, to the right a little bit. Yeah, I just kind of keep pulling up on the nose and keeping it from settling down too much on the ground because there's no way to turn that aircraft on that sharp turn. Now, listen, of course, when you get down, you're like, I absolutely saw those power lines. Now, I would say it's 50-50 that anybody saw those power lines because those things, I'm like, man, in a panic, and you're hauling ass at that point, and you're coming down anyway. What what would you say? You you absolutely saw them, or you were like, I saw them, and we were in a good place, but not until it would have been too late to do anything anyway? Yeah, so when I came down over the first power line, um, I had segments of, of what was coming up in front of me. So I can remember seeing, you know, the cars, and I knew once I got down uh, below them. And then I, when I started following the curb, I was already kind of yeah. kind of getting low and trying to settle the tires. So I saw them at a certain point, and uh, I remember shoving the plane down, and that's when you'll hear, like, a loud tire screech. Yeah, yeah. And that's when I saw them is, is I was like, no, I need to get her down. And I just shove her down, and she starts screeching. Dude, you had, I mean, A, talent and, and heart and character, and you held it together. And then, and then, of course, you got to throw in that pinch of luck because that's just that's just how the world works, right? Yep. Yeah. I, I just I, feel, I just feel blessed, man, that to be alive. Yeah. I mean, nobody got hurt. You always wonder what you'll do in a moment, don't you? I mean, all of us. You, you were in the military. You were a marine, correct? Yes, sir. Yep. And, you know, and one of the things they'll they'll teach you in the military is, man, in times you better follow your training because that's why it's there, and you better learn it, and you better do it because it is your only chance to get you out. Exactly. Yeah, it gives you the discipline to the discipline, the commitment to, um, you know, to, to figure something out to make things happen. And so here's the crazy thing. So if you're just joining the show, Vince, we're talking to, uh, he's 31. He's a novice pilot, marine vet, but he's out flying with his father-in-law. The plane goes bad. He has to land it on a highway in Virginia. Now, uh, you've gotten down. You've saved the day. You are now on a on an interstate. You're on a highway, and it's it's not a great big one, but it you know it's a good size. And uh, yeah. and you can either take the what the, the wings off the plane and try to get it home that way, or they have a mechanic come out and they figure out what's wrong with it, and you find out something's blocking the fuel, and they tell you, well, yep. you can fly it out of here. Which I'd have been like, nope, I'm out. Like that's where I draw the line, man. I already got in, yeah. I got away with it. I'm not flying out. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, no way. I ain't doing it. Yeah, uh, I was done. Um, there's a, I, I haven't released this video yet, but there's, you know, I have it all the way from when I took off in Georgia and when we made that landing in the mountain. Um, but when I got out of the plane, my first thought was, let me get this plane out of the road because I was just kind of in shock. And I was like, it doesn't belong here. I need There's people coming. I need to move it. So I moved the aircraft and, and dragged it to the side of the road with a couple of people that helped me. But I stood in front of the aircraft until the the emergency services got there and I told myself, like I just spoke out loud and said, You're done. You're <laughs> <Yeah>. done. <laughs> For real, man. Listen, I get yeah. it. I get it, man. You'd like, I'm I'm not doing this. And then then you realize oh, I still gotta get the airplane home. Yeah, and then oh no, so that was for me that was gonna be the easy part. Um when the sheriff came, he asked me what I wanted to do. I said, if you guys can just cut these wings off, we could throw it on a flatbed and take it to the nearest junkyard. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so they were actually looking at finding somebody to do this, but there's a pretty big aviation community out there that I didn't even know existed. And 
the guy, even the tow truck that came was, was a pilot, and he told me, no, 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 we're, we're going to get this aircraft to a safe location, and I know everybody up at that airport, and we're going to have mechanics and flight instructors and airport personnel come out, and we're going to figure this out. And uh, so they were kind of working behind the scenes, and, and, I, and I thank them so much from the bottom of my heart because they moved that aircraft without um, charging me anything. I could not pay them. They, they brought an instructor out. They brought a mechanic out. The airport people came out, and nobody took one dime from me. Uh, that's you so know, they, great. Yeah, it was just like it was just so much love and, and, and help from that community. Uh, and they were just happy to see a positive outcome come from their community. Like, and they're just glad nobody got hurt. And so, but, um, and then you had to take, then it, the plane had to go. Yeah. And then, yeah. So then they, they figured it out and they're like, Hey Vince, we can tow this aircraft to a, to a long stretch of road with over 3,500 feet of, of, uh, of road going downhill, no power lines. What do you think? You think you, you think you want to do it? And I needed like a couple of days. So I said, let me get a couple of days and think it over and talk to my family. Sure. And then they all kind of piped me up and, 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 uh, you know, told me, look, you, you, you landed it there. You can easily take it off. And so I crunched the numbers and, and found out that that aircraft was way more than capable of doing it. So the day came, and uh, we towed it up the hill. And the whole time I'm sitting there, and my stomach is churning. My hands were sweating. And uh, my family's asking me if I'm okay. But I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. This, this, this is done, you know. Yeah. I'm fine, but, fine. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. deep down inside, I, I was screaming, man. I was screaming deep down inside. Sure. Yeah. Did, did your uh, father-in-law get in the plane to do it with you? <laughs> no, no. I, people <laughs> were asking to go up with me, but I refused. No, hell no, no. Yeah. No, you don't take anybody. You're like, I, I can't. No. No. I want to scream quietly. No. I want to cry by myself on the way out of here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You uh, yep. so you get into that you get in that position you fire the engines and you're and you're 100 percent that at least you know that the mechanics have figured out that there was a line blockage in the fuel, and yeah. and you're you're confident in the craft itself and there you are now you're looking down the interstate they've stopped the traffic you got the clearing yeah. you know there's no power lines but you still have mountains you're still you have trees and you're in a bit of a valley there and it is going downhill but yep. you know you can't afford to deviate from the from your path on that. No, you can't. So when I taxied up there, you know, you, you, I'm going uphill and there's mountainous terrain on my left, mountainous terrain on my right. And so I, I do, I bang a U-turn and I'm getting ready to go and we do something. I did something called a short field takeoff. So I, I take the engine and I put it to the full max while right. holding the brake. Right. And I, you know, throw in my flaps. And once it gets to a certain RPM, you know, you let it go. Yeah. But if, if I think there's a video where you can see I'm just sitting there and the plane is just like revving, just it's going ah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm sitting there and I'm holding the brake and I know it's time to let go, but I was telling myself just turn it off, get out, throw up, and, and <laughs> go back to the go back to cutting the wings off. There's other hobbies, yeah, yeah. And then, um, but then I told myself like you, you can do this, man. You can do this. Let's get her done. And I just released the brake. And it just launched me to the back. Like, it, I kind of pulled back a little bit because I was holding it for so long. And I just went and went for it and did it. And it was a successful takeoff, thank God. And it went well. That was your evil Knievel it, moment. That was your, I'm at the top of the ramp. They're all expecting me to go. That's what we're here yeah. for. That's, that was your evil Knievel moment. Yeah, that was it for sure. <laughs> and once you realized you hit altitude, you were clear, you must have been like, oh, just, yeah, I knew it all. <laughs> you know, you're like, Oh, that's so good. Yeah. 
yeah, it was weird because it's, you know, she was climbing, it was climbing perfectly fine. And, uh, I'm starting to, cause I got to kind of climb up over a mountain and then dip down into a valley to get out of there. And I could see it climbing, but for some reason, like I'm looking at these mountains and you know, they're a few hundred feet below me. And I'm like, Oh man, please like don't give out on me here. Yeah, now yeah, there's there really nothing. is nowhere to land. So will you, yeah. are you going to continue flying? Um, so yeah, I've decided it to keep going. Good. Um, I'm going to pick pick the plane up sometime by the end of this month and fly it down from uh, Macon County, North Carolina, and uh, then I'll bring her home and keep keep the journey going. That's awesome. That's ah, fantastic, dude. It's 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 a great story, and I'm glad that uh, it went well. I'm glad everything played out exactly as it did. Everybody was great. You were exactly as you had to be. Your father-in-law was great. The mechanics, the people that came for you, the the tow truck drivers, the instructors, the the, the cops, everybody. Like, nobody got caught up in anything except doing the right thing. And that that is, it's a great story, man. It really is. Thank you. Yeah, it, it, it was. It, it was. I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so so grateful for all those people. As your, so is your wife, though. She's cool with you still flying. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, right? She kind of, yes, yes and no. You know, it's, because she knows I'm passionate about it. And she's always been so we've known each other since we were twelve years old. So it's we've had a long relationship, and so we've always like lifted each other up. And if we're passionate about something, we try to help each other get to that goal. So right on. She knows that I'm passionate about it, but at the same time, she knows it's dangerous. Yeah. But, um, so she's kind of, you know, just kind of coming along with me. And and if, if I want to do it, she's like, you know, follow your dream. But not to mention, if you do have an argument, you can always look to her and say, remember that time I saved your father's life when the plane was going down? Yes, I got a golden ticket, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So good, man. And somebody had texted in, is your father-in-law on the camera, on the GoPro? Can you hear the audio of him telling you he trusts you and he loves you? No, unfortunately, the, the so the GoPro was on the wing. Um, uh, it's on, on the outside of the aircraft. Yeah. 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 That's too but, bad because um, anytime if you ever got sideways, you'd be, just play that back to him. Like, remember this? This is forever. This yeah. is how we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, dude, you hold me. No, I'm just yeah, Vince, listen, you got him down. You did. You And listen, it, he knows who you are now. You, you, you're you in your plane. It goes bad. You have to uh, do an emergency landing on an interstate. And you managed to get it down, put it down correctly. Nobody is harmed. No other, no people on the interstate, not you, not your father-in-law. Then you fix it and you got the balls to, to take off and fly it out of there and get home safely. It's, it is the thing that we almost never see anymore, which is a, 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 a tragic, potentially horribly tragic story with, that turns out to be, because it's an overused word, but inspiring to people. Like, hey man, do the right thing, keep your calm, don't panic, and maybe you'll live through this. And, and, and there's a lot of good that'll come out of stuff yeah. like that. That's right, yeah. Just stay calm. Yep. That's what definitely kept me alive. It's just being able to stay calm and focused and you know. Yeah. Think about the rest once you once you stand in front of the plane. <laughs> right. Well man, that listen, the odds are on your side now. Thank you. All right. Listen, I, I really appreciate you, Vince. It's it's super great to have you on the show today and, and uh, it's a, it is an excellent story. And I'm I'm just so happy for you and your family and everybody. Yeah, thank you for thank you guys for having me and I appreciate you being able to share my story. Yes, sir. All right, take a Hold on. Stay there with you. Yeah. He's real deal. Yeah. yeah all man. the way that's around. It. That's that's. We all wonder who we will be in a moment of crisis, whether it be a, a bank robbery or whatever, a little kid needs help, a, a dog in the middle of the street, what, whatever it is, at varying degrees. 
And and you find out in moments like that, are you the guy who just throws his hands up and lets it go? Mm-hmm. And or are you the guy who, who does his absolute best and it happens to go your way? God bless that city, that little town. Not like, When you think about it, if he would yeah. have been charged or fined for anything, they went the opposite route and just tried to help him get to the next steps by not charging him a damn thing. And, and how about the father-in-law? Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, Mike would look at the guy and go, I knew I hated you, prick. <laughs> I told her. I, God damn I, it, told I told her, her, you were not the one. You were not the goddamn person. Now I got to die sitting next to you, you stupid bastard. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's a pretty special son-in-law, father-in-law like relationship those guys yeah. have got there, man. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I've been waiting all morning for this. Uh, Christopher Titus, he is such, he's a goddamn genius. And uh, he's just one of the most honest and and purely like that great blue collar i don't know any one of my friends or anyone in my in my world that doesn't relate to everything he does like dude when the gloves come off that's when he's in his absolute best born october 1st in castro valley and raised in newark california he overcame a childhood populated with a drunken father and a mentally unstable mother to become one of the most fearless stand-up comedians in the business you've seen his comedy specials norman rockwell is bleeding Love is Evil, America Gutton, The Angry Pursuit of Happiness, Nevolution, and many more. You can keep up with him through his website, ChristopherTitus.com. And this Sunday night, he brings his Zero Side Effects tour to the Improv for two big shows. Please welcome, comedian and longtime friend of the show, Christopher Titus. Chris Titus, how are you, mister? I love the intro, J.D., every time, man. The robotic voice is my favorite thing. It's like Siri's dad. 
introduces me every time. It's awesome. I know. I know. It's like, yeah, like the ex-smoker out giving you a hand. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, Siri's dad was a smoker. You don't know what it was like. I was a voiceover many years before you. How's oh, it going, bud? Good. You know what? I was, God, I was crying this morning. Uh, going back and revisited your, your, uh, your bit on white supremacy. And I mean, I was just like, God damn it. This is this bad. Like, that's to me where you shine. The gloves come off. And we're just going to talk and just be super honest. And it is, it's the best part of comedy. It's that, that genuine look into life and our lives and our own hypocrisy and our own ridiculous nature. And that includes me, everybody. Yeah, man. I think, you know, I mean, Carlin's my favorite, him and Robin and those guys. Sure. Robin did it differently. Robin did it where you loved Robin doing it. But when Carlin did it, you were sometimes even I loved Carlin. At the end of some Carlin shows, I'd be like, I'm not sure I totally agree with what he just said. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best, right? Yeah, yeah. You, I think you have to, man. And it's so funny. I was, I'm writing a new thing for the Armageddon update called uh, Stay in Your Lane because everybody will, people, people just will jump. Like, our job as comedians, Will Roger, Mark Twain, all the way back, is supposed to talk smack. That's our job, to talk mm-hmm. as much smack as possible. People are like, hey, man, I don't want to hear about politics. You know, talk about your penis more. That's pretty much what they want. So I'm not doing that. Yeah, but as long as you were talking about their politics and making fun of the other guys, they're great with it. And they're fine. They're a good point. That's what I like. You're insightful. Uh, but yeah, this new show, so we filmed Zero Side Effects. Zero Side Effects is coming out, and that rips everything that happened in the pandemic. And now I'm doing the new show, Carrying Monsters, because I got to go to Scotland. I got invited to the Fringe Festival Excellent. in Scotland. So I'm doing Carrying Monsters. The great inflammable Richard Pryor said that everybody carries their own monsters. Yes. Uh, yeah. And so the cool thing is that uh, our monsters were given to us by people that said they loved us. <laughs> so, <laughs> God yeah, that, damn it. It's all, true. This, this is all about every piece of damage that was caused to me in my life uh so it's pretty dark i didn't know how dark this show was i was doing it and uh, i started i put it back on the road because i could started it before uh, covid and then i put it back on the road and i was in arizona and I'm, I'm, i do this setup for this bit and it dead quiet in the room because i'm setting this up and the lady in the back just the subject matter i hear this one voice go jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> and i thought that's the sweet spot baby that's it that dude that's yeah. I, this is going to be such a good time. It's this Sunday night. You're doing two shows. You're coming through Kansas City like a thief in the night, man. You're like, bring. You're just in and out. And these shows are all going to sell out if they're not already sold out. Carrying Monsters happens Sunday night. Two shows at the Improv. I mean, this is going to be fantastic. Yeah, man. It's all about. It starts out kind of. It's it's weird. It starts out with a very dark story and ends with the darker stories. Like it's a uh, like you know I like you know I, I basically started like you know I, I'm from divorced parents via. If you're from divorced parents, you have you know you have a good parent and a bad parent. I mean, that's why you know there's always there's always one psycho because that's why you have a personality. Right. Um, right. But you don't. Yeah, I had two bad parents, so I had to grade on a curve. You know, and that's weird. <laughs> you got to come up with a baseline. Okay, let me see. Dad did mess. Mom did other dudes for mess. Hmm, who's the bad parent? Okay, mom would be worse. Right. Uh, both my parents were raging alcoholics. Mom had more assault charges. That's how that goes. Uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Was, by the way, I have to tell the audience at one point because they don't believe me. I, I'm like, look, guys, every single one of these stories I'm going to tell you is true. These are stories that they wouldn't let Fox would let me put on. And that was a problem. Having a life that I've had, it's weird because even when I had my TV show, all these Ivy League writers would just turn and go, dude, this didn't really happen. And so about when I was 25, I got this letter from my mom, and it was written on a serial killer typewriter. It like it was it dropped all the N's and the S's about like a quarter inch. <laughs> <laughs> and dude, it was just seven letters, and here's what it said. Because my mom was manic, depressive, schizophrenic, had 180 IQ, spoke four languages, played concert piano, and shot and killed her third husband. So everybody's caught up now. You know where we're at. <laughs> if you want to see those stories, go to my YouTube channel. That special's up there from Racing Covid. So. Uh, <laughs> 
so this letter said, and it was just seven lines, and it said, Chris, everything's going well. I got a new job. Can't talk about it because they're listening. And then it said, your sister's messing with me. She doesn't know who she's messing with it. And my sister was nine, dude. <laughs> And the reason the job thing is so funny because my mom was mentally ill. And for years, so years ago, my dad, my mom, she could take me on a trip. And, I, and the one joke I do in the show is since the FBI had called for like 48 months, she, he said, okay. Now, everyone laughs and I go, that sounds like a joke. But my mom, because she was manic, depressive, schizophrenic, used to tell everybody she was in the FBI or the CIA. And then one day, the FBI showed up at our house. My mom's house. I was with my dad at the time, and 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 they didn't show up be- for a peer review. They showed up. <laughs> <laughs> they said, "Ma'am, you're not in the FBI." And my mom was like, "All right, I'm not in the FBI." Wink, wink. wink. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh, <laughs> Dude, and it's it's, it's a, a common she was a diabolical thing. Joker level su- supervillain. My mom, you know, uh, she she it's, it's and it's weird when you're a kid, you don't know you have a bad parent. You know, one day you just look around and you're like, how come there's no other kids here playing high wheels with me at the Whiskey River Saloon at midnight? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Your mom took you to a bar when you were what four? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. She way. took me. I didn't go with her. I used to yeah. say, you know, so I tell her, I go with her, and I realized, no, I didn't go with her. I was, you know, I was I'm like, yo, mom, it's ten thirty. I'm four. There's a party up in this bitch. Let's do this. <laughs> so, so she would take me to bars with her um, because, you know, babysitters cost like three drinks an hour. <laughs> and she needed that fourth Harvey Wallbanger. And by the way, I've been hearing that drink name my whole life, not thinking about it. Do you know what Harvey Wallbanger means? It means like you're so drunk you bang off the walls. That's what it means. Is that right? What I is your name for a drink? Yeah. Can I get a Harvey Wallbanger and she'll have a puke in the car later? Can we have that? That's <laughs> <laughs> such a bad name for a drink. <laughs> so we're in the bar one night. And it's funny because the, no one cared when I was in the bar with mom because uh, cause my mom was super hot. So my future uncles overlooked it. And, oh. Oh. Yeah. oh, dude, you shouldn't be. This is the first bit in the show. You should not be saying all oh, already. Like, I deal with my sister's suicide. Here, this is the show. If you come to this show on Sunday, you're going to see a show that everything that ever happened in your life, I guarantee you will feel better about. <laughs> you're dude, really, you're well, not least alone. I'm not Titus. That's what I want everyone to say at the end of the show. Yeah, well, you're not alone, right? Like, everybody hides it because somehow we, we take the shame onto ourselves, our shame of our family, of our history, of our, of our past. I don't know why right. people do it, but we, we just do. We want people to believe yeah. that we come from a better place, even though it was never yeah, the our monsters fault. were given to you. You didn't, you didn't invent them. They were, they, were, they were forced to, they were tattooed on your soul that by, by your, by, again, by people that said they loved you. So, yeah. um, so. But at the time, if you want to hear that bar show, we were living in North Hollywood at the time, which North Hollywood, I don't know if people, you guys don't know, it. North Hollywood is not, North Hollywood's like Hollywood except without any money, mansions, or actors. Right. Uh, um, yeah, so it's like Hollywood, and there's a lot of Latinos there. Uh, you could call it Hollywood, all right. <laughs> uh, and ironically, there was a lot of Oscars. Yes. So uh, I'm living with mom in North Hollywood, and, uh, and we... You know, she would just go to this bar every night. What those small? They have those bars in Kansas City too, like with, sure. with the windows. Yeah, the miniature the divings. Yeah. I know. I do. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I used to live on Yucca Street in Hollywood. Yo, yeah, and and just people in the bar all day. The bars were open at like at ten in the morning. Yeah, just people drinking all day. You know, just pounding alcohol, hoping to God their lottery ticket hits so they could afford that stolen tourist replacement liver from Mexico. <laughs> those people. <laughs> And and these, and these guys would keep me diverted, like hitting on my mom. They would just give me Coca-Cola after Coca-Cola because I guess it's easier to control a child 
when it's in a sugar coma, and they would they would pack them with bar cherries, which I'm I'm, I'm surprised I'm still alive now. Bar cherries, because bar cherries are not fruit. They were invented in a lab at Dow Chemical. There's no fruit the color of a horny baboon's ass. It has never happened. <laughs> there should be like a, a class action suit for those of us that eat bar cherries. Hi, did you have a lot of bar cherries as a child? To this day, do you still crap fuchsia? <laughs> so anyway, so that's one of the stories. And then I, you know, I deal with my sister's my sister's suicide. And, and and I do. There's a bit in the show where I do I do three. And I'm gonna tell people to get ready for this because I believe anything's the show's about tragedy. But anything's funny. Uh, as long as you can add a punchline or win the civil case, that's what I think. So, I'm, I'm, someone said to me, I told them, I go, I go, this is the angriest show I've ever written, and they just stopped and looked me dead in the face and was like, "Are you kidding?" <laughs> yeah, what? It's not the happy part. So, hey, hey, by the way, people, I can tell dark stories. Cosby's a rapist. Let's move on. <laughs> that's, that's that's the fuel, though, isn't it, Christopher? If if you're showing the show, the great Christopher Titus, who's in town this weekend, two shows Sunday. Uh, the, the the you can go bitter you can go uh, inside yourself and withdraw from the world or you can use it for fuel to push you forward right well it's weird man i mean like zero side effects is coming out and it, you know we've been living to the book of revelations theme park in the last three years yeah, so yeah I, I think it's you know so that one i got i kind of get rid of all those demons and now i'm dealing with the family hopefully this is the last show of family demons I, I guess it won't be. Oh, yeah. my ex-wife, my divorce. We deal with my divorce pretty well. It's a, this one's a good show. It's a good show. But if you're from a normal family and your mom and dad stayed together for the rest of your life and, and you know, and they, they pay for your college, you probably should go get a Larry the Cable Guy ticket. <laughs> yeah. And there's nothing in the world wrong with it. But it's just, no, go, go this is it. for go a... Paratop is awesome. Go to Branson. Have fun. <laughs> but don't come... Don't have your soul ripped out by this show. And and there was a guy. It was, I did it. I did this. I did this urban club last weekend because I'm trying to get laps in for the for the show for Edinburgh. And uh, and and this this black dude just comes up to me and he just at the end of the show and he goes, "Yo, man, I didn't realize white boys have pain like that." <laughs> <laughs> and it's a weird compliment, isn't it? It's very weird. <laughs> By the way, that Fringe Festival in Edinburgh, I've, I've not yeah. been during Fringe, but I've been there over Hogmanay, the big, crazy uh, Scottish show. Hogmanay's insane. Those psychos. They're wonderful. Uh, Could not yeah, love how we went to Hogmanay. We were there. It's, uh, we, were, we were there in one year. That, that's where we're going, actually. I don't really care about the comedy festival. If I tank every show, at least I'm in Scotland. That's how I felt. And uh, we were at Hogmanay one night, and we watched Lily Allen play, and then we were walking back to the hotel. And the Scottish people are so awesome, just the way they handle things. There's this woman just, nah, 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 and we were kind of walking next to them. And the guy just very coolly goes, oh, shut up. It was so clean, man. <laughs> it was like the heaviest <laughs> shut up I ever heard in my life. I was like, that dude is a badass. Ah, oh, shut, just shut up. <laughs> we get there, and we're just hammered, and these people are so hammered, and they're handing torches out. This is the night before New Year's Eve. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and we did the torch procession to set the big Viking ship on fire a mile away. <laughs> it's great. I can't see anymore. Give me fire. Come on. <laughs> Let's Dude, do this. It just, it, it is it is a great, what a great town and a great country, man. It's one of my favorite places in all the world. And I've thought about the Fringe Festival many times because you see all the advertisements and you see uh, the, the clips and stuff when you're looking up Edinburgh. And, it, dude, I think you're going to kill there. I think you're going to be incredible. Uh, man, you know, it's weird. This show is weird because, I, so I, I'm not, I'm going to be a name dropping, but years ago when I talked to Springsteen, I did a bit in my show, and I, Springsteen said Europe is better than America because they care about art. They don't want you to just get up and talk about your penis and farting. They really want to care about, they really care about what you want to say. I also got told, I was working out with a, with a buddy last weekend, and he said, I told him I was going, and he goes, 
you're really going to perform for the UK audiences? And I go, he goes, do you know they're, they're, they're horrible and rough. And I was like, hey, man, I, I've played, you know, Modesto, California. I'm fine. <laughs> I, I played some plays. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, man, but, but thanks for having me on today, man. What have you guys been up to? How's life? How'd you guys get through the, the pandemic? Oh, just by trying to shut everything off and just, just keep to myself. <laughs> you know, you do the show and you're like, God, this is too weird. Get on your motorcycle, get in your car, go out in the highway where nothing can get to your ears and just go. Yeah. You have no monkey pox yet? Good for you guys. Yeah, no monkey pox. I've been staying out of the ass crack pretty good. So I've been doing all right. <laughs> I keep hearing more. How do you get monkey pox? And then it's it's like a, it's it's the darkest of the dark. Like the, like uh, two girls, one cup. That's who gets, gets monkey pox. <laughs> totally. like, I'm not yeah. sure exactly what it is, but uh, but uh, I'm, I'm scared about it, man. I'm scared about it. Listen, but I didn't God, even know like, how. Man, so I, come I was going to tell you, I didn't even know how you got, I was going to tell you during the pandemic, you just reminded me, I got pink eye and I had no idea I got pink eye. I go to help my buddy do some concrete work and there's like six of my friends out there and we're putting stuff down. I go, hey, just telling you guys, I got pink eye. I've never had it before. And they're like, oh, you've been eating ass. And I'm like, I'm, so, I'm sorry, what? And they're like, you've been eating ass. I go, I haven't been eating ass. And they're like, yeah, that's how you get pink eye. And we go round and around. I don't realize it's from... <laughs> Material. Hey guys, you just told me uh, a lot about you. Um. <laughs> well, the worst part is, then I see my dog, this little dog, get up and she sleeps on my pillow and rubs her butthole on my pillow, and that's how I got pink eye. There you go. There you go. And by the way, that's uh, eating ass is a better story, but okay, thanks, Johnny. <laughs> it definitely makes you more attractive, right? <laughs> exactly. Like Johnny's a freak. Now his dog just has a has, just can't wipe his ass. Oh, dude, I think your shows are going to be so good, Christopher, man. I, I, uh, dude, you are, you are at your best. I'm telling you, when the gloves come off and, the, and, and, and you are just so good at the truth and, 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 and the, the, the craft, well, I, I it's, mean, it's really good, man. I have weird stories. Like, I was kidnapped as a kid. I was kidnapped, and, and, and you know, and I, 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 I was kidnapped. I was, so after the bar incident with my mom, because I got picked up by LAPD that night, um, uh, and, and uh, so they, she mom realized that my dad's child support uh, couldn't pay for my care and her alcoholism. So she changed, she changed her life. <laughs> she, she 100% changed her life and sent me to live with my great-grandparents and kept the job for so, and, and, dude, I'm living with two 85-year-old people from another century. You got sick around them. They did not go to the CVS. They went in the backyard and dug medicine up. Oh. At, one, yeah, at one point, I, I, had a set bad, I remember, never forget this. I'm a little kid. I had a bad sunburn. They made me take a bath in vinegar. And I was like, these old people are marinating me, man. <laughs> Are we out of cat food? What is going on? <laughs> and so, it, it, and then, I, and my dad actually kidnapped me. My father. So back in L.A., my dad went to California, but I was looking around one day. I was like, I used to have a kid. He, he, so he wants to find out where I am because he didn't know. And he, so he poked around, and by that I mean he slept with my mom's best friend Diane. Um, Jesus Christ! I wish I was kidding. And he gets on a plane, and he's on this plane, and he's drinking like it's a superpower, and he's loudly planning his kidnapping to the dude next to him who he doesn't know. Because he really hadn't thought it through. Nice. He's like, I'm going to steal my kid. He's hammered. He's on Harvey Wallbang. He's out of it. He's, he's like, I'm going to go get him. Get him in the plane and fly his ass back. And then he goes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've been talking the whole flight. What do you do for a living? And the guy goes, I'm the Detroit Metro District Attorney. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's one of the stories. You can see how that story ended up and how, how much time my father did. So it's a good show. I can't wait. This Sunday, I do two shows. Get your tickets this moment. You will not be able to get them if you don't. This Sunday night, two shows. ImprovKC.com, Caring Monsters, of course, the great Christopher Titus. Brother, you sound like a million bucks. I hope to see you soon. 
Hey, man, I'm glad we all made it through the last, like, four or five years, man. And, you know, man, as always, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. Thanks for having me on, buddy. You are wonderful, man. I love you, brother. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.